So this morning, as we begin to talk and we look at this weekend, we're going to be talking about prayer. You know, as we've been talking about the different spiritual disciplines. And, and this weekend, I really thought about if we're going to talk about prayer, who is somebody who was a prayer warrior? Someone who we could look to for what prayer is about. That's not in the Bible. And it's kind of fitting that on this weekend that we're talking about prayer is the same weekend that we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer, and if you've never actually taken the time to listen to his prayers, I would encourage you to get his book, Thou Dear God, Prayers That Open Our Hearts and Spirits. Dr. Martin Luther King was a man who prayed. He spent a lot of time in prayer. He spent a lot of time in prayer for this nation, for people in this world. And if you don't know it, Dr. Martin Luther King actually was on tour with Billy Graham and prayed during Billy Graham revivals. And there's one prayer I want you to listen to of his this morning. As we pay this tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King about prayer, and that is his prayer for the church. So if you would, take a moment and check out this video. We thank thee, O God, for the spiritual nature of man. We are in nature, but we live above nature. Help us to never let anybody or any condition to pull us so low as to cause us to hate. Give us strength to love our enemies and to do good to those who despitefully use us and persecute us. We thank thee for thy church, founded upon thy word, that challenges us to more than sing and pray but go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depended on us, and not upon thee. Then finally, help us to realize that man was created to shine like stars and live on through all eternity. Keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until that day when all God's children White, red, and yellow would rejoice in our common band of humanity. In the kingdom of our Lord and of our God, we pray. Amen. Let it be so. Let it be so. Heaven's going to look a lot like what we see on earth. There's going to be white, black, brown, yellow, red, whatever color it may be. They're our brothers and sisters. We need to treat everyone just like they are our brothers and sisters. And, and I've said it before, you know, if you look at everything we've done in the United States, we've come a long way, but we haven't arrived. We have not arrived yet. 
And on this weekend that we will celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day, take that time and pray for the church that we will be the church that God has called us to be. That we will be the people who love our brothers and sisters. Not what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. Because that's what we need to see. And as we talk about prayer this week, you know, I thought it was fitting that we would start with the prayer from Dr. Martin Luther King. And I think a lot of times we don't really look at prayer the way we should look at it. And sometimes maybe we don't believe prayer really works. You know, it reminded me there was a small town, and it was a dry town. You know, there was no alcohol allowed in the town. And, and some of us still know there's some towns like that. Well, the, there was a gentleman who decided he was going to build a bar right on Main Street. And when the only church in town found out they were going to build a bar, he, they said, this can't happen. And they all joined together and they went out to the community and said, we're going to have a prayer vigil and we're going to pray all night long so that this bar doesn't come into this community. And as they prayed that night, lightning struck the building where the bar was going to be and it burnt down. So the next day when the bar owner came out and he saw his bar was burnt down, he hired an attorney. And he took the church to court. And of course, then the church got an attorney. And they both spoke their side. And when the judge got done with the case, he says, you know, before I rule on this case, there's two things I learned. One, the bar owner believed in the power of prayer. However, the church did not. Think about that. The church fought. They prayed all night. The bar burnt down. And then they said it wasn't their fault because they didn't believe in the power of prayer. Are we a church that believes in the power of prayer? Well, will we kind of be like that church who said, well, we were praying, but it wasn't us. That was an act of nature. Or are we going to stand up and say, yes, our God showed up and showed off? And I think a lot of times we just get caught in that same thing. Well, you know, we were praying for it, but it was kind of a coincidence that that happened. We, we tend to point it that way instead of, well, yeah, God showed up and he answered our prayers. We need to be a church that believes in the power of prayer. You know, you also think about, you think about, <clears throat> How can we be a church that believes in the power of prayer? And I think it comes down to if you think of a tree. A tree, what do their roots do? Their roots dig deep down into the soil. And when they dig deep down in the soil, they become rooted and they get strong and they flourish. Well, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to do the same thing. Our roots need to dig down deep into God's word. Needs to dig deep into who Jesus is. Because if we don't and we're just, you know, sitting at the top and our roots just spread out across the top of the soil, we're easily going to be knocked over. Lord knows we grow up in South Florida. Everyone has seen ficus trees. And everyone has seen what happens to a ficus tree during a lot of wind. You know, because the roots are near the top. They don't dig deep. 
And unfortunately, I think a lot of times we end up with what they would call with a tree to be like root bound. You know, you get a, something grown inside a pot and the roots can only grow so much. And what you see above is a nice flourishing looking plant, but then its roots are bound and it can't grow anymore. And it ends up dying and falling away. We got to make sure that we don't get root bound, that we don't get stagnant inside God's word, that our roots continue to dig deeper and deeper in everything that we do. And if we're going to experience that abundant life that God desires to bless us with, I think we need to grow spiritually so our roots can go down in Christ, just like roots go down into the deep soil. You know, and, and understand, if we're not changing to be more like Christ in everything we do, are we really Christ followers? Are we doing what God's Word calls us to do? I think a lot of times we get stuck not doing that. But I know God wants us to have an abundant life. He wants us to have that holy life that He calls us to be. And what stops us from doing that is us. We stop ourselves because we constrict ourselves with what we do. You know, and, and in God's word, there's different disciplines that are put in there. And you really can't find a whole list of what spiritual disciplines are, but there's things that we're told we should do. And one of them is pray. You know, at the very beginning, I said, if we're going to be like Jesus, we got to do what Jesus did. Jesus fasted, so we fast. Jesus prayed, so we're going to pray. Jesus took time to be alone, so we're going to take that time to be alone. If we're going to be like Christ, we need to mimic what Christ does. So today we're actually going to be talking about prayer. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. And I can tell you that most of you probably don't even have to look at this scripture because I know I memorized it when I was about yay tall, okay, which was like last week now, okay. I memorized it when I was a kid, and of course, as different versions and translations come out, the words have changed a little bit, but it's still all the same. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 11, verses 1. It'll also be on the screens in front of you, and it says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we take time in your word this morning, Lord, I ask that you open up our hearts to receive what it is that you have for us to receive. Lord, I ask that my words be your words and that your name be, is glorified through it all. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So now Richard Foster who I've mentioned a couple different times during this series, actually wrote this about prayer. He said, Prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. Of all the spiritual disciplines, 
Prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. Real prayer is life-creating and life-changing. And that's a great statement. That is a great statement. Prayer launches us into the spiritual world as we seek to have a, have a conversation with God. It's our way of communicating with God, taking that time with him. And when we pray, we're engaging with God in one of the deepest conversations we'll ever have. Always think about when I'm praying that, you know, it's, it's a conversation with my, diet, my daddy. I'm just talking to my papa. I'm having that conversation with someone who loves me more than I could ever imagine. And it's just a conversation. And it's amazing. And, you know, I think about when my kids were small. And my kids would crawl up on my lap. And you hold your little baby in your hand and you look down and you're just so proud. And that's how I see God looking at us. Even with all the messes that we have in our life, God looks down on us and smiles because he loves us that much. And taking that time in prayer is that communication with him. It's crawling up on your daddy's lap, on your papa's lap, your granddaddy's lap, and just feeling secure because you know that he's holding you in his arms. And for some, it may even be crawling up on your mom's lap. And that just how good it feels that hug that you get from someone you love, that's what we get when we go to God in prayer. We get that intimate relationship with him. You know, we have the opportunity to change the world. We have the opportunity to change ourselves. All we have to do is be willing to open ourselves up to what God has called us to do. You know, and I find it interesting that the disciples could have asked Jesus anything. They could have asked him for anything in, at all in the world. Think about it. They'd been walking with him for three years. And Luke tells us, after they'd been walking with him for three years, this is what they say. Now, it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. You know, it's interesting that that's what they asked for. Everything they've seen, they've seen miracle after miracle. They've seen healing after healing. They've seen blind being able to see. They've seen the lame able to walk. They've seen the dead begin to breathe again. They could have easily asked Jesus for anything. Jesus, give us the heart to help us to feed 5,000. Jesus, give us the, the heart to say what is right. They asked him, teach us to pray. These were Jewish men who were raised inside knowing what the prayers were because if you follow Judaism at all, there are prayers for each day. There's prayers inside the temple. There's prayers on the Sabbath. They grew up praying. They grew up knowing what prayer was. And what did they ask Jesus? Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. You know, I think they saw something different in Jesus. I think they saw something different in the way that he prayed and the way that he felt when he prayed. You know, because they saw Jesus at different times go to the Lord in prayer. 
They saw him during crisis go into prayer. When he experienced some type of need, he went into prayer. When he was tired, he went into prayer. And when he just wanted to reconnect for that wisdom with his heavenly father, he went in for prayer. The response from Jesus in all of these was always pray. Take time and pray. Do we as Christians take that time? Do we take that time to pray that we should be praying? Do we pray during a crisis? Or do we just put the words out there, thoughts and prayers? I'm praying for you. And then you go about your day. And you never think about it again. See, we kind of put prayer to the side. Prayer is the most important spiritual discipline we can have. And we fail at it. But that's okay. You're not alone. I fail at it myself. And then some of us may say, okay, well, how do we get started? How do we start having this prayer life? You know, and I believe people really struggle with the starting point on prayer. Um, along with the prayer and how long, how long should I pray? What should I pray? You know, do I got to say these words? Do I got to say this? How do I do this? And I think a lot of people, we make it more difficult than what it is. We add too much to it. And many of us say that we want to pray and that we want to believe it's effective. Um, but oftentimes we just feel defeated before we even begin prayer. You know, you think about it, and I kind of chuckle because I remember times at night laying in bed and starting to pray. And I'll be praying, and then all of a sudden I wake up at like 2 in the morning, I'm like, oh, I didn't say amen. <laughs> you know? Or you sit there and you say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and you take that time and you, you start praying, and you're like, you know, Heavenly Father, I come to you, and, and then you start thinking, oh, man, I got to. You know, Wednesday, I got to go get my physical, so I got to start taking my blood pressure this week, and I got this to do. Oh, and I got to find some pallet boards so we can finish the wall, and oh, I've got these groceries. And we get so caught up on everything else when we're supposed to be taking that time in prayer. And I had a friend of mine a long time ago, I went and I talked to him, I said, you know, I got this problem. I said, I, I can't focus when I'm taking my time in prayer. And he told me, you know, it's funny because John Ortberg actually calls that SAD, Spiritual Attention Deficit Disorder. Because we all have it, and it's sad that we get it, that we have this attention deficit order that's spiritual. Because as soon as we start to pray, our mind goes someplace else. So I asked him, I said, well, you're a man of God. You've been praying for a long time. How do we do this? You know, how can I stop myself from doing it? And he said, well, you know, you need to first stop beating yourself up. Because I get so mad, I can't believe I fell asleep. I can't believe my mind wandered. I'm supposed to be having this conversation with my, my daddy. And he said, don't worry about it. When you find yourself distracted, realize you're distracted and just get back on point. Just get back to it. And he said, you know, don't beat yourself up because of it. Just get back on track. Get back on track and keep on going. Don't worry. God knows where you're at. And just keep on going. And I really thought that was a good suggestion, you know, because sometimes we stifle ourselves. We'll start to pray, and then all of a sudden we're like, you know, we start thinking of other things. And then, oh, I can't pray. I'm no good at this. What's the use in praying because I'm no good at it? I'm just going to say my, bless this meal, you know, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. I'm good. I've said my prayer for the day. 
And a lot of us stifle ourselves because we get distracted. But that's life. Don't let it distract you, just turn back. You see, God wants us to talk to him just the way you are. He doesn't want you to try and be somebody that you're not. He wants you just the way you are. Remember, he accepted you the way you used to be. The way you used to be, he accepted you because all of us were someplace before we met him. And he still accepted us the way we were. Now, he does expect us to change, but he did accept us. So he's going to accept you just where you are when you come to pray. And you, think, you see, we think our prayer should be a certain number of minutes long. And then if we don't hit that time limit, we feel like we bombed on prayer again. You know, and the truth of the matter is, there was a survey done, and average Christians in the course of a day spend five minutes in prayer. An average Christian throughout a 24-hour period spends five minutes in prayer. That's not a whole lot of time. Now, for some of you, you may be saying, five minutes? How am I going to pray for five minutes? I said throughout the day, okay? It wasn't a five-minute period. You know, and then, of course, we, we hear about these great um, prayer warriors, and we think, we got to be like them. We got to be like them. Protestant reformer Martin Luther said this, I have so much business I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. John Wesley spent two hours a day in prayer. There was a Baptist missionary, A. Judson, used to pray seven times a day. He'd pray at dawn, he'd pray at 9, 12, 3, 6, 9, and again at midnight. Dr. Martin Luther King prayed. He was a prayer warrior. And we hear about these people and we think, well, we got to be like them. No, you don't. Be you. Be who you are because that's who God wants. You know, and we really begin that, you know, oh, now you know, I got to pray for three hours? Okay, and we set this goal and we say, you know what? I'm going to get better at prayer. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to pray for one hour every morning when I get up. And you wake up in the morning and you're excited and you find your place where you're going to pray and you sit down and you start praying to God and you're like, this is going great. And three minutes, you're done. And you're like, what am I going to do for the next 57 minutes? You can't start out. It's, it's like wanting to run a marathon. Hey, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. No, I'm not. <laughs> if I want to run a marathon, what do I got to do? I got to start training. So I may have to start out walking a mile, get to the point where I can jog a mile, and then up to two and three, and I work my way up to being able to actually do a marathon. I think it's the same way with prayer. You know, you want to get up to hey, I want to be able to be one in prayer warriors who takes an hour a day in prayer. You need to start small. Start with three minutes. Every one of us, guaranteed, would do at least three minutes of prayer. Work with three to five. No more, no less. Start with that and then build yourself up to it. Build yourself up to be able to go more than three to five minutes in prayer because you don't just wake up and do it. And even you think about it, all of our major sports, Football, baseball, hockey, they all have time where they spend time in training. 
these are athletes who could do their profession in their sleep. But what do they do? They have spring training. They have fall practice. They have preseason. And they go over the fundamentals over and over and over again. They could do it in their sleep. So we need to do the same thing. Take the fundamentals of prayer and do it over and over and over again that get, so we get that much better at it. Of course, now you're like, okay, Pastor Ken, that's really good. I think I can do this. But, you know, the Apostle Paul commanded us to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians. How am I going to do that? I can't even pray for three minutes, Pastor Ken. And Apostle Paul says pray without ceasing. It's a way out. Too many times we look at this and, well, I can't do it, so therefore I'm just not going to do it. That's not my spiritual gift praying, so I'm not going to pray. Nice try. God calls us to pray. All of us can do it. And it's interesting because Donald Whitney, uh, he's an author. I actually like the way he broke down this verse. And I think it will really help us to understand what pray without ceasing means. And he says, if talking with and thinking of God can't be in the forefront of your mind, it should always be peeking over and ready to take place of what you are concentrating on. You might think of praying without ceasing as communicating with God on one line while also taking calls on another. Even while you are talking on the other line, you never lose your awareness of the need to return your attention to the Lord. So praying without ceasing means you never stop conversing with God. You simply have frequent interruptions. And I think that's a great way to look at it. Just keep your phone lines open. Just keep the phone line open so you can have them conversations. You know, another view of prayer is that basically it's having that conversation on a walkie-talkie with God. The walkie-talkie is always live. It's always live, and there's times you can just key it up and talk to God, and there's times it's sitting there, and you're just waiting for him to respond. Or you pick it up and talk with him again. So praying without ceasing isn't literally praying for 24 hours straight. It's keeping that line of communication open so you can take it to God at any time, so that you can speak with him and so he can speak with you. So when we pray, we sometimes feel like we need to tap the shoulder of a busy God. Hey, God, it's Ken down here. I know you're busy. Am I the only one who's ever done that? Wow, okay. You know, and then we act like we need to remind God of something he needs to do for us. Hey, God, remember, you're going to do this for me, right? God, you're supposed to do this. I prayed for it. It says, if I pray this in your name, I get it. Well, where's it at, God? Come on, you're forgetting about me. You know, and we sense that we need to nudge him along with our prayers. Well, you know, God, I've been praying for this for a week. Hello? And unfortunately, in today's world, we live in an instant gratification. You want something, you go online and you find it. Hey, I, I want a new fishing pole. Amazon. <laughs> I, I want this. You go online, you find it. Instant gratification. Well, God, where is it at? 
And it's not like that, but we get caught up in it. We get so caught up in it. You know, we ask God to do what we want him to do, and then we persist that God conform to what we want. If it's your will, God, but I want it now. Well, it's got to be God's will. I wouldn't think it if it wasn't God's will. (laughs) Try that one out. You know, I think a different approach is to slow ourselves down and to begin the process of learning to listen to God um, so that instead of us tapping God on the shoulder saying, hey, God, I need you to do this, we'll be open up to God tapping us on our shoulder and saying, hey, I need you to go do this. You know, get that role reversed. You know, and in the book, uh, Character Forged from Conflict, Gary Preston actually wrote this. He said, back when the telegraph was uh, the fastest means of long-distance communication, there's a story of a young man who applied for a job um, to read Morse code, to decipher the telegraph. And he went to this uh, building where they were held in the interviews, and as you walked in, you could hear the telegraph machines going in the background. You could hear all the clicking and the clacking. And when he walked in, there were six other men sitting in the lobby. And there was a note simply on the front door that said, you know, come in, fill out this paperwork, and when you're called, go ahead and come in. So, of course, this young man, he went up there, and he took his paperwork, and he got all this paperwork filled out, and he set it back down up there on the table, and he went and he sat down. And a few minutes passed, and he got up, and he walked through the door. Now, the other guys in the room were like, what's he doing? What is, why is he walking through the door? And they're thinking to themselves, oh, look, at he's going to be all bold. He's just going to walk in there because no one's come out to see us, and they're going to rush him right out of here. Well, a few minutes later, what happened is the young man came out with the interviewer. And the interviewer told him, said, okay, well, hey, we don't need you guys. This young man's got the job. And they're like, what do you mean? No one came out. We didn't get interviewed. How can you say he got the job? That's not fair. And he said, well, the job was to be able to decipher Morse code. The whole time you've been sitting in here, there's been a message that says, once you finish filling out your paperwork and you place it in the bin, go ahead and come on inside for your interview. So he was the only one who was in tune to what was going on with the Morse code. So the rest of them who were there to be readers of Morse code and understand it weren't even listening. You see, the young man was in tune. He was in tune to what was going on. He was listening. Are we in that kind of tune with God? Do we listen to him where we could be in a crowded room and we hear his voice? Or do we get caught up with the crowd and pay no attention to what's going on around us? You know, if we are to go in and be bold, we need to be bold with him at all times. And I can tell you, if you're really not sure on, you know, hey, where am I on prayer? How can I do this? I'm a, I want to give a couple examples of patterns to pray. And I'll still tell you, if you have problems, come and see me. I'll be more than happy to take time with you and help you work out your prayer life. I'm not an expert. I fail, just like everybody else, but I can at least try and help. You know, and it's my hope and my desire that this church 
can discern God's leading, not only in our lives, but in the lives for this church. So as we go forward as the body of Christ, we can affect change. And that everybody will be involved in it. It's not a one-person show. Well, technically it's his show. But inside this church, it's about all of us. All of us going in the same direction to affect change in people's lives. You know, and I feel like I really didn't even touch the surface of prayer. We could talk about this for weeks. Um, but I want to move forward, you know, for time. and I don't want to hold you guys up. But I think there's two acronyms that a lot of people know and they use when it comes to prayer. And the first one is called ACTS, A-C-T-S. And basically it's adoration. So we start out with adoration for God and then we go to confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. So it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So that's kind of how you do your prayer. Now, the next one is called pray. And I really, pray is the one that I use more than I use acts. But pray is simply praise, repentance, ask, and yield. Pray, repentance, ask, and yield. And both of these are very similar to each other, and they're pretty easy to remember acronyms. And although they're very similar, they have very profound differences in them. And you'll note that many biblical prayers actually start out this way. They praise God and follow some similar type of pattern. You know, you see it in the Psalms. You see it in Nehemiah's prayer in Nehemiah chapter 1. You even see it in the book of Daniel in Daniel's prayer in chapter 9. So whether you're stuck or not, it's an effective way to actually lead yourself into a prayer life. So now it starts out with acts. It starts with adoration. And I kind of say adoration and praise are the same thing. So they both start out the same way. And I really like the way Nehemiah starts his prayer. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. See, Nehemiah recognized God's greatness. He recognized who God was and just how awesome of a God he is. And I think sometimes we forget how awesome God is, especially when we go to prayer, because we're so quick to pray for what we need instead of, giving him the adoration and praise that he deserves. And I think this is how we should always start off prayer. Just like Nehemiah, he lifts up God's name in praise. We should lift up God's name in praise in everything that we do, especially when we start in prayer. And when we start out praying, instead of rushing to what we want God to do for us, we need to go ahead and tell God why we believe he's so awesome because he is an awesome God. You know, we need to tell him that we adore him, and we need to remember, if you, you talk about adore, I adore God. The word adore means to love deeply and intensely, to regard with a deep, rapturous love. That's what adore means, to love deeply and intensely. So if we have that love for God, we should have no problem giving him adoration and praise. Because we should love him that much. 
You know, then we move on. We move on to the expression of uh, repentance and pray. And in Nehemiah, the next verse, verse 6, actually says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. You see, he moved on to confession. So he moved on to confession, and he confessed the sins of not only himself, not only his father's house, but of all of Israel. So he took it a step farther. He didn't just talk about himself. How about if we go to the Lord in prayer and not only confess our own sins or the sins of our father because of this backpack of whatever it is we've been carrying on and passing on from generation to generation, and how about praying for the sins of this nation? Give it all to God when you go to prayer. Adore him for who he is. Confess your sins. Confess the sins of your family. Confess the sins of this nation. Get it all out there on the table for God. Lay it at his feet. (coughs) That's exactly what we see Nehemiah doing. He laid it at his feet. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't like to admit wrongdoings and mistakes. You know, if y'all remember the, the show, um, well, not Happy Days, Fonzie, I was woo, 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 woo. He couldn't say the word wrong. I was woo, woo, woo. I think we get that same way. God already knows we messed up. But we still need to confess it to him. We still need to take it to him. And confession's not easy. Remember, I was raised Catholic. I remember going to confession. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been seven days since my last confession. (sighs) And then you start talking about everything you did. (laughs) All right? Do the same thing with God. Just give it to him. Just confess your sins to him. Give it to him. You know, Nehemiah admitted that the people had acted wickedly. He admitted that his family was disobedient. And he admitted his own faults to God. He was obedient to what, and he humbled himself, admitting the nation's sins and everything else. And then I think the next um, expression, both acronyms, I think it's really where they start to diverge. You see, the acronym next tells us to thank God. So the T is for thanks. And at this point, we would have praised God already. We would have confessed to God, and now we're thanking God for the blessings of the life that he's given us. And if you remember, if you were there on Wednesday night, one of the things I talked about was journaling. Take time, and when you're going throughout your day, and you see the blessings from God and things to be thankful for, and you're thanking him, write it down in a journal. And even at the time, if you don't thank God at the time, write it down in the journal. Because then what you're going to find is you're going to have a page of things to be thankful for. You're going to be able to say, you know, look at all of this that God has done for me, and I'm so truly thankful for this and this and this and this, whatever it may be. Take the time to journal. When you're taking that time in prayer, take a journal with you. Take a piece of paper with you. It could be something that you started the day before where you started writing down, you know, oh, I messed up here. I need to give this to God. You give it to God at the same time, but then when you take that time that, I'm devoting this time to my prayer each and every day. Take it with you. Because as you're 
going back through it, God may speak to you. He's already forgiven you for it because you've already confessed it to him, but he may give you something for it. And you may hear his voice because, hey, I know you did this, but. And he can still use that to glorify his name because all of us have a past. All of us have a mess that has turned into our message. So here, I think, is where it goes. And, you know, we should look at our lives and see what is good all the time. What is good in our lives? It's so easy to pick out the bad. Boy, we can pick out bad. We can especially pick out bad in other people pretty quick. But we need to be able to pick up that bad in ourselves. But also look at the good. Look at the good that God has done in our lives. The next step in PRAY acronym is kind of the same thing as the ACTS acronym, and it's called ASK, or make our request known to God, or as in the ACTS supplication. Supplication simply means to humble, ask, or implore, uh, or possibly even beg for something. And at this stage in Nehemiah's, this one God, he asked God, to give him success in going to the king so that he could go and rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. So this is where you see it in Nehemiah's prayer. And for you and me, it's that stage where we, you know, we make our request known to God. We've made it known. And this is where I think that final stage of the acronym PRAY changes so much because the word is yield. Yield to God's will. That's why I have a problem. Yielding to God's will. Well, I want it my way. I grew up with commercials. Have it your way. Yielding to God. You know, and I know the scripture says, ask and it will be done for me. But it means I need to know what God's will is. I need to have a relationship so close with him that I know what his will is for my life. And I can find his will by taking that time with him and taking time in his word. Having that connection, being so close, it's not even guesswork. I'm not going to go to God and say, it says, anything I ask in your name will be given to me, so Lord, I need the lotto numbers or the Powerball numbers. It's not within his will, so why am I going to pray? Why am I going to ask it? Because it's not in his will. Maybe it is in his will, and I'm just doubting it, but no, I really doubt it. <laughs> you know? But knowing, being intimate with him, and having that conviction for what God wants. Because you know when God wants something in your life. You know when he's calling you to do something. Guess what? That's God's will for your life. So yield to him in your prayer time and take what he is calling you to do. Take what he is calling you to do. So as we close today and we do this final week of prayer, I just want to encourage you guys to finish strong. Finish this 21 days of prayer and fasting, seeking what God's will is for your life. Seeking what he wants from you. And you know, maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. 
Maybe you're like Pastor Ken, I'd love to un understand all this, but I don't know Jesus. Well, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can come up here in a minute and we'll talk about it and we'll pray about it. And we can knock that down today to make Jesus your Lord. And I will tell you, it's not the same thing you know, as you come up and you think, all right, I'm going to accept Jesus. The whole world is going to change. When you walk out them doors, the world hasn't changed. The hour that you've been in here, it hasn't gotten any better out there. The only way the world out there is going to get any better is if we affect that change out there. If we are a church that will pray and believe in the power of prayer. If we believe that we can change the world. Of course, changing the world starts with changing yourself. Would you open up your heart and let God change you so that you can affect change in others? I encourage you, become one of them prayer warriors. Set aside that time each and every day to pray and earnestly pray to God. Pray for this country. Pray for the government. Pray for our neighbors. Pray for your family. Pray for this church and pray about affecting change. Affect change in everyone's life you come in contact with. Pray for them God appointments every day where God's going to bring someone into your life that you're going to be able to have that conversation with and hopefully change their direction in life. Heavenly Father, we thank you we thank you for this time together today, Lord. We thank you for you listening to our voice. Lord, I raise up this congregation to you that they will truly be prayer warriors, Lord. That they will take that time to know you and spend time with you and to understand what your will is for their lives. And Lord, I ask that you help us to affect change outside these doors as we go into our mission fields. And Lord, most importantly, that no one within the sound of my voice will not know you. And if they don't, that they will make this move to come to know you. And Lord, that maybe someone will be bold enough that during this little time of invitation, that they'll come up here and take that time to pray to you. Pray to take away the distractions of this life and of this world. Pray to break the algorithms in our lives where we only see what we want to see and we don't see the other side. Open up our eyes to see what you want us to see, Lord. And Lord, maybe someone just needs to come up and pray. And Lord, I just ask that you continue to be with us. And Lord, we love you, we honor you, we praise you. And make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. And during this time, if anyone wants to come up and pray, take a moment, come up and pray. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, come and see me. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this weekend as we celebrate a man who was a prayer warrior. 
Lord, may we always remember what he was fighting for. Lord, may we affect the change that hasn't totally been made. Lord, we have come a long way, but we haven't arrived yet. And Lord, may we be that change that people see. May we be that change. Micah, can you give me Luke 10 too? Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is great. May we be those servants. May we be the ones that go out there and reap in this harvest because Lord knows if you look out there in that world, they need Jesus. God, do they need Jesus. Pray that you can be one of those in the harvest. That the Lord will use you in a mighty way in the harvest throughout this week. Heavenly Father, I raise up this church family to you, whether they're here in this room or watching online. Lord, I ask you to keep them safe, continue to bless them in their relationships with others, and most importantly, in their relationship with you. Lord, I ask that you bless them in their finances and in their health and in everything they endeavor to do for you. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.